Trust your Bibles are prepared in the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22 for the preaching of God's word. And I'll be reading from verse number 1 to verse number 14. Genesis chapter 22, verse number 1. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and clave the wood for the burnt offering, and rose up, went unto the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father, and he said, Here I am, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. And they came to the place which God had told him of. And Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. Let us pray. Father, we thank you so much. For your precious word, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your love, your mercy, and your grace. Thank you for being an awesome God. Thank you for being a faithful God. Lord, and I pray today as your word goes forth that you would use it in a mighty special way to speak to each and every heart. We know that you have been faithful. And I pray that you would help us to pattern you and to be faithful as well to you. Pray that you would use your word to draw lost men, women, boys, and girls to you and that you would use it as well to challenge the heart of every believer. And I pray that your will would be accomplished in every aspect. Give me the words you love me to say. Cleanse me of sin. Empty me of self. Fill me with your precious Holy Spirit that I may preach what thus saith the Lord. And when it is all said and done, we'll be careful to give you honor and glory. That's do your holy name. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much for standing. You may be seated. Just recently, many of our young people, and maybe a few of our not-so-young, would have completed final exams. And 
based on personal experience, I can imagine that for each of these individuals that the day of the last exam, it would have felt like a major weight was lifted. Some of these tests, I'm sure, were hard, not so hard. Some might have even been easy. Some questions might have been expected. Some might have been unexpected. But there is one common aspect of all of these exams that each person who would have taken the exam is now in the same boat of waiting for these tests to be graded. This aspect of waiting is a phase that is completely outside of the control of all those who would have taken the exam. Especially for parents, I would confess, we are all waiting with great and eager anticipation to hear of the results. By the way, let me, let me see by show uplifted hand. The young people, all, how many of you can't wait until the results come back? Oh, I see a hand up at the back. Oh, oh, okay. All right. It seems as though somebody else is raising the hand of another person. You see? We are waiting with eager anticipation, but not those who took the exams. <laughs> Test exams. We don't like them, but they're a necessary part of life. But for the last month or so, we have been here at Child Baptist Church doing a different kind of test. It's a self-assessment test. It's not one that's graded by another person. It's not one that should be graded by a different agency. It's one that each and every one of us must grade ourselves for ourselves. It's a test where we are focusing on examining and identifying and determining how much do we love God. This test, my friend, is of vital importance because Jesus himself, in speaking to a, a young man, a young lawyer, uh, stated to him that the greatest commandment is to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, all thy might, all thy strength. And he further said to him that upon this commandment lies all the other commandments, which is to love thy neighbor as thyself. And so with Jesus indicating that uh, this requirement of loving God is so vital, it's so critical, in fact, it is the greatest commandment, my friend, it is fitting for each and every one of us to understand, honestly, where do we rank? Where do we stack up in fulfilling this great requirement of loving God. And by way of exercising this test, 
We've asked a number of questions. Questions that you must answer for yourself. If you will, these are somewhat criteria to be able to assess where you are. First question we asked is, do you speak with him? He's trying to understand whether you love God. Do you speak with him? Do you communicate with him? In speaking with him, as he speaks back to you, are you listening to him? Is there communication between yourself and God? The second question we asked by way of assessment, do you sit at his feet? In other words, do you spend time in his presence? Is spending that time of great priority and importance to you? The third question that we asked is, do you serve him? Do you serve him? Is his agenda significant in your life? Is service to him of importance to you? The fourth question is, do you sacrifice for him? Are you willing to give up something that is meaningful and significant to you and offer it up to the one who you claim to love? Last week, we looked at this fifth question. Do you stand up for him? When his name is under attack, are you willing to stand in the gap? These are all very vital and important questions, my friend, if we're going to honestly grade ourselves on where we are in our love for Almighty God. This morning, I want to ask another very pertinent question, and the question is, do you submit to him? Do you submit to him? Now, by way of examining these Questions. We've been looking at a different biblical character at each point. And this morning, we'll be looking at Genesis chapter 22, our text, and looking at Abraham for an example as it relates to submitting to the Lord. Now, in looking at this, we've been asking further a number of questions as it relates to the specific overall topic. So as it relates to this topic of a question of do you submit to God, I want to ask you first of all, and to jot this down, do you make yourself available to God? Do you make yourself available to God? Now notice God is speaking here to us by way of his word. It says in verse number one, and it came to pass after these things, that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. Now, I want you to understand very carefully that when the Bible says God tempted Abraham, it simply means that God was about to test him. Here we go again with testing. Testing is so important to understand where we are. And this was a test for Abraham to understand where he was. Because God knew where he was. But God still sought to test him. But I want you to focus and draw your attention to Abraham's response. 
The Bible says Abraham said, here I am. My friend, God uh, just called Abraham's name. And Abraham, in response to God, calling his name, was saying to God, God, I am available to you. Even before God specified what he needed from him, Abraham said to God, God, here I am. One of the things that I was taught as a child, and I teach this to our children as well, when you are called, come. For parents, you ever, you ever encountered, you call your children, you're in one room, they're in another room, maybe on the other side of the house, and you call their name and you hear, yes! And it seems as though they expect you to continue the conversation from there. That's not how it works. It's one thing for me to call it in from a distance. The next sentence I expect to have is in your presence. (laughs) And I'll be in your presence because you moved from where you were and came to where I am. You see, by not moving from where you were, you are not indicating that you're making yourself yourself available to the request. You see, my friend, God is calling many people and people are responding to God, yes, but they're not moving. And by not moving, they're not able to hear what God is about to say next. But Abraham responded to God when God called his name and God said, Abraham, Abraham said, God, here I am. I am available to you and I have not even heard what you're about to ask. And as it relates to this matter of being submissive to God, my friend, we must, first of all, make ourselves available to him. So the question for you this morning, and for all of us, do you make yourself available to God? Now, the second question I want you to consider, do you prioritize what God wants? Do you prioritize what God wants? Now, here's something that all of us must recognize about ourselves as people. That no matter who you are, man, woman, boy, or girl, that you have, whether consciously or subconsciously, a set, a list of priorities. Whether you have written them down or not, those are your priorities. In other words, some things are more important to you than other things. Some things are more important to me than other things. Your list of priorities is going to look very different than someone else's. As a matter of fact, our list of priorities may look so different that there may be some things that are on your list that will never find themselves anywhere on mine. That's just the way 
life is. And even if by some twist of fate that you and I have a list of priorities and everything that's on my list is the same as what's on your list, it is virtually impossible that they would be in the same order of priority. That's just the way priorities work. They're different as we are different. It is very normal. Let me add something else to this matter of priorities. People's list of priorities change based on the stage and the phase in which they are in life. Can the church say amen? amen. A single person is going to have a different list of priorities to a married person. Whether you say amen, by the way, you should have a different list of priorities if you're single as opposed to if you're married. That married person now has to think about the needs of their spouse. A person with children should have a different list of priorities to a person who doesn't have children. That's just the way it is. Our children, my children, my wife's children. Notice I said our children first. I'm just clarifying. They're my children. They're her children. They're our children. But our children shockingly to us as parents tell us that when they leave home one of these days that my wife and I are then going to experience immense boredom (laughs) because they are not in the house and to that my wife and I collectively say what? Before you all came, listen, we were having fun. We were traveling. We were just on the spur of the moment, go to town and come back when we want and when we didn't want. Listen, we were having fun and we're going to have fun again. But we were having fun now. Let me just put that in there. But our priorities adjusted. They changed. We didn't have as much disposable income because we were now prioritizing the children. Priorities change. Amen? But the question this morning is, where is God on your priority list? Where is God and the things of God on your list? My friend, this, the answer to this question is very important because it will then determine the answer to the next question I want to ask. And the question is, do you adjust your plans for God? Do you adjust your plans? Now, we've already established that everybody's going to have their own priority list. And my friend, whether or not you adjust your plans for God, get this, is dependent on where God is on that priority list. We adjust our plans based on priorities. And so if God is nowhere on the list of priorities, then can you imagine 
what the answer to this question would be. So he has to be somewhere on the list. And his position on the list determines how you plan for him. Let me give you an example. If your list of priorities on a Sunday, and I'm not putting this in any particular order, this is just a random list of things that people might do on a Sunday. And this list of priorities or things to do on a Sunday includes washing clothes, cooking, going to church on a Sunday morning, taking a nap on Sunday afternoon, going walking, folding clothes, watching a movie, going to the beach, ironing clothes for the week, helping children with homework. That's your list. And I were to encourage you, as I always do, to come back to church on a Sunday night and you look at your list. You're going to make that decision based on where that ranks in importance. If it's not that important, you're not going to adjust your plan. But if it's the number one thing on your list, everything is going to adjust based on that. When God called Abraham in Genesis chapter 22, the day before, the night before, Abraham had a list in place for the next day. Abraham had things to do the following day. But when God interjected and God said, Abraham, and Abraham said, God, I'm available to you. And God gave him his list of what he wanted Abraham to do. Everything else changed. Whatever Abraham had to do the next day went down on the list of priorities because God was his top priority. My friend, is God high enough on your list of priorities to cause you to change your plans? Can God change your plans? Whatever is on your agenda for next week, is God high enough on your list of priorities to cause your plans to change? These are very important questions as it relates to submitting to God. Now notice the fourth question I want to ask you. And these questions are listed in a logical sequence because the answer to one question affects the answer to the next. And so the third question was, do you adjust your plans for him? But the fourth question is, do you yield your will to his. Do you yield your will to his? Now, the word yield is a word that we see as drivers on road signs. It's placed at a point on the road 
on the street where most often there is an intersection where one vehicle will of necessity need to yield to the other in order to avoid a collision. If that person who is required to yield does not give way, you're going to have a problem. Someone has to stop their forward progress and let the other person go. That, my friend, is what it means to yield. Abraham responded and was obedient to what God said. But make no mistake, don't think that Abraham did not have a will of his own that wanted to do something else. Remember, he already had plans for the next day. But furthermore, God was asking him to do something that seemed inconceivable. To sacrifice his own son. You see, it's, it's one thing to have a plan. But it's another thing to execute the plan. All of us have plans. We have plans to save money. That seems to be a very difficult one to do in these times. We have plans to be more organized. We have plans to be on time. Some have plans to lose weight. And I'm looking up at the clock so nobody thinks I'm looking at them. Some have plans to gain weight like me. But our will must be activated and involved in order for the plan to turn into action. Why am I saying this? Because my friend, the will is the push that turns the desire into action. That turns the desire into reality. Your will is of vital importance to what you do. So in order to do what God said, here's where your will is so important because there can and oftentimes is a conflict between what God wants us to do and what we want to do. That's not uncommon. Don't feel like you're not spiritual because your will does not line up with God's will. God says, my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. So oftentimes, there's going to be a conflict between what God wants us to do and what we want to do. Now, here is where spirituality comes in. Spirituality comes in on our part when we make a decision to yield our will to God's will. Because these things are not often going to be in sync. Here it was that God was asking Abraham to offer up 
the promised one. The one who God told him that in all nations shall your seed be blessed through Isaac. The one who God would send, Jesus Christ. The one through whom God will make Abraham a great nation. No, God is asking Abraham to offer him up as a sacrifice. This would not have been Abraham's plan or his will. And I'm convinced that Abraham could not have told Sarah what he was going to do. Why do you think he left early in the morning? While she was still asleep. But this is Abraham's will coming into conflict with God's will. But Abraham determined, listen, I'm going to yield my will to God. I'm going to be obedient to him. And my friend, the question is when God's will is in conflict with your will, are you willing to yield your will to God's will? Notice the final question I want to ask you this morning. And this is so vitally important if you're going to yield your will to God. Do you trust God unconditionally? This is where the rubber meets the road. This is where Abraham was able to make a decision to trust God with a request that seemed just inconceivable. Do you trust God unconditionally? You see, my friend, this matter of trust, understand this, it is based on belief. Do you believe God? Do you take him at his word? Abraham believed God and because he believed God, he trusted God in what he said. That's why he obeyed. Look at verse number four. I want you to understand the thought process of Abraham in doing something that would on the very appearance not only seem difficult, but was difficult. Verse number four of Genesis chapter 22, then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, abide he here with the ass. And look at this. And I and the lad will go yonder and worship and what? Come again to you. Now in case you missed this, God was sending him to go to the mount to sacrifice his son to kill his son yet he says to the men listen I and this young lad we are going yonder to worship and we are coming back I am not coming back to you by myself I'm coming back to you with my son He believed God. In spite of the fact that God was asking him to offer up the son as a sacrifice to me, he trusted God because God had told him some things that the only way they could happen if his son comes back with him. Right. 
That's believing God. Now, if you're not convinced and you think that that's a stretch, Pastor, you, you're stretching this thing. Turn with me in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11. And I want you to understand what Abraham was thinking. And what Abraham was thinking was the only thing that could make any sense because of what God had already told him. Now, Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 17 says, look at this, by faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac, and he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. Now notice that phrase, he had received the promises. God had already told him and made a promise that he was going to be faithful, that he was going to take Isaac and in his seed all nations of the earth was going to be blessed and he had done it, made a covenant, a blood covenant they had made and he could not go back on his word of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called. Look at verse 19. Accounting. Uh, it means that he had, he, had, he had sized up this thing. He had, he had accounted that God was able to raise him up. Even from the dead. From whence also he received him in a figure. Now get this. Abraham had already made up in his mind. Listen, if I kill him, God going to have to resurrect him. And get this. Abraham had never seen anybody resurrected before. But the only hope he's going to be alive again is if he was going to be resurrected. You only believing things because it happened before. Abraham was saying, God could do stuff that I have never seen. That's belief. That's faith. And Abraham simply believed that because guess what? Dead people cannot produce offspring. Only living people. So Isaac is going to have to get up again. And Abraham was simply saying, I believe God. My friend, when we don't submit to God on any particular matter, it is an indication of lack of belief in God. A lack of trust in who he is and what he can do. What am I saying here this morning? That submission to God is an intentional response. No one can make you submit your will to God. No one. No one can make you yield to God. You must do it for yourself. And I've only been involved in full-time ministry for a relatively short time. 
And here's what I'm learning and realizing. You can twist people's arms to do things. They might even do it to please you or because you put a requirement in place. But at the end of the day, it's really a waste of time if they're not doing it for their own selves, from their own heart, to yield themselves to God. You might as well forget it. When you submit and trust God for yourself, you're doing it because you believe God. And belief is a personal thing. I can't make you believe something. Either you believe it for yourself or you don't. And amidst all the varying questions here this morning, do you trust God? Do you believe God? These things will determine whether you submit to God. And here's the connection. Your willingness to submit to God is an indicator of your love for God. Understanding closing how important this matter of submission is. Do you realize that submission to God is required for salvation? You cannot be saved and will not be saved until you submit your will to God's will. Submission our salvation, rather, is based on trusting and believing that God sent Jesus to this earth to die on Calvary's cross for our sins, for your sins, for my sins. And submission says, God, I believe you. I trust you. I place my faith in that provision for my salvation. And submission is also required for service. Submission is required for your spiritual growth. Submission is required in order to be in God's will for your life. There's no way to get around this matter of submitting to God. And it requires an intentional decision an intentional choice to yield my will. They're not always going to be in sync. But I must give way. God, I must let you have your way so that I can be obedient to what you are saying. And I'm willing to submit and to surrender my will to you. Why? Because I believe God. The question is, do you love God? Where do you stand? Are you willing to submit to him?